Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we're back in the book of John together and uh, those of you from uh, watching at church online and those of you on campus, if you'll look in the book of John, we're going to be going to John the 14th chapter this evening as we are working our way through uh, the chapters in, in, in the book of John. You may remember we talked early on in this series how John was, uh, was this last living apostle of the Lamb. He was perhaps, you know, close to 100 years old whenever he uh, sat down to write this letter to us and he was leaving it on our shoulders. Do you know that the last 10 days or so of Jesus's life and ministry on planet earth before he was crucified, buried, resurrected, and then ascended. But the last 10 days before his crucifixion were, were, were you know, seemingly, you know, uh, uh, arguably the most powerful and prophetic days of his life. Of course, everything he said was prophetic, but he spoke to us especially. In fact, approximately 39% of the combined gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you put them all together, 39% of everything they say, uh, you know, Jesus is, it's, it's about the last 10 days of Jesus' life, right? You know, two weeks to 10 days. I mean, it's concentrated. What the Lord was saying uh, during the last week of his life while he was in Jerusalem was so powerful. Last words are so powerful. If you look back at Jacob, who was a forerunner and a type and a shadow, as he prophesied to his sons prior to his death, you know, the things he said to Judah, the things he said to Benjamin, the things he said to all of his sons were so powerful. Last words, parting words. You know what happened in my life? One morning, I, I, I got up and I just had this overwhelming desire to go and see my dad. I know uh, some of you, most of you have heard this. Some of you perhaps haven't. But this was back in 1987. I had this overwhelming desire to go and see my dad. And, and it, it just pressed upon me and pressed upon me. And so I told uh, my wife, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, going to see my dad. And she said, okay, when are you coming home? I said, I'll be home in a few days. And so, you know, I, I took off and went to, you know, went to see my dad. And uh, there I, I, I spent, you know, uh, four evenings, five days just sitting on the front porch with him and, you know, and just, you know, hopping in the truck with him and going and checking on this or checking on that or whatever he might be doing around, you know, I, I, I just did it with him. No agenda, no nothing. He would, he would say, son, don't you want to, you know, uh, you know, take my truck and go visit some of your friends or do something. I said, no, dad, I, I just came to talk to you. You know, I'm nothing. I mean, my dad was, my dad was 58 years old, you know? Uh, I mean, there no, 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 you know, no reason to imagine that when I left there, you know, uh, in, in just, you know, three days, he would be dead. No reason to think that. And there we sat and talked and, and my dad was a, a great mentor in my life. He taught me Two great lessons. Um, all of my years being raised uh, in, in the home were years of his alcoholism. And 
He was absent a lot, and he was, uh, uh, you know, drinking most of the time. Or, or uh, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a difficult time for the family, but, um, but I learned so many lessons from my dad. He taught me two great life lessons. And then, you know, uh, the day that I buried my dad, I, I, I preached his funeral. The day I uh, buried my dad, uh, uh, my, my brother and I uh, shared in, in doing his funeral. I had been my dad's pastor. For a number of years, and and uh, uh, he had been sober. The, the next day, he had been sober twelve years. He was an elder in the church that I had planted. He had he was you know uh, uh, you know a, a guy that prayed and sought God and read the Bible and spoke in tongues, laid hands on the sick, and and uh, helped every uh, every person that had an addiction. He just had this great gift and great calling because he had spent most of his life uh, in that addiction. You know, he left home. At, he was asked to leave home at ten years old. Uh, because the family uh, had 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 uh, you know had ten children and they couldn't feed them all. It was you know uh, at the at the end of this great depression that we had. And so, at any rate, uh, uh, you know uh, what a, what a, what a man of God. There were two great lessons my dad taught me in life. One of the lessons he taught me in life is what not to do. <laughs> you know, one of the lessons he taught me what to do. And believe me, both of those lessons are valuable lessons in life. And some people are going to teach you what not to do, and somebody, some people are going to teach you what to do. Both of those are valuable lessons. And, and one of the things about people teaching you what not to do, you often, you know, if, if you're wise, you don't have to experience those things for yourself when you see other people in your life that mean something to you and actually affect your life. When you let them affect your life, when you let them into your life, you, you really, really, Realize uh, what what decisions, bad decisions, can cost, and you don't have to repeat those same mistakes. You know, uh, it's 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 a blessing to be born into a family that does not have those inherent problems. And so I'm hoping, as um, you know, as Anna Roman once said to me, I'm hoping that that you know uh, that you know I, I I wish and I hope that you were born into a family that didn't have problems. You know. Thank God if you were. But thank God that if you weren't, your children and your grandchildren and those that you affect in life won't have to repeat that because you know what it feels like. So you can let it stop with you. And that's, you know, that's the testimony that my dad showed me. He, he, he taught me that there is a life after bad decisions. There are some good decisions that you can make. You can't control everything, but you can make some better decisions than perhaps, uh, you know, were made on your behalf. And so his last words while we were sitting on that porch the evening before I left, uh, my dad taught me a lot of lessons, but he never really, he never told me what to do. He had, he had never, you know, just, I mean, um, he told me, uh, my, my, my brother is seven years older than I am, and, and he is a saint. I mean, he is. And, uh, you know, uh, many of you know my, my brother, Roger, and he's a, you know, he was, a, you know, a, a Baptist preacher, I think, maybe at 15. I'm not sure. And uh, he's just walked with God all of his life, and he's always been you know, like a role model. He is like, you know, he was the, he was the good one, you know. <laughs> he was the, I mean, you know, he was the educated one, the good one, the amazing one. He's, 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 
he's still amazing. And, and many, many, many life lessons that I have learned and many life lessons that I still apply today come from his conversations with me and, and uh, helping me to understand what God was doing in my life. And he prayed for me and prayed for me and still does. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing what, what you can learn you know, my dad said, I raised one good son. This is what he said to me when I was, you know, about this tall. <laughs> he said, I raised one good son. He said, I'm going to make you like me. <laughs> and, you know, and so uh, uh, I, I, I know these stories, are, they're, they're, they're just stories. But, you know, by the time I you know, was 14, I was driving everywhere, 13, 12 14, driving everywhere with just the country. You know, we lived in the country setting. And uh, uh, he would be a little, you know, he, he knew he didn't need to drive drinking. And so when he would start to drinking, I'd become his driver. And I'd drive him. I, I can still take you to every bootlegger in, in Bowie County. Uh, because it was a dry county at that time, and 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 uh, my dad knew where every little place was where somebody you know sold whiskey, and I would drive him there at nighttime and drive him home, and you know uh, you know I, I you know I'd go out and you know find him passed out in the in the yard and and in midnight or one in the morning I'd drag him up you know, in fact uh, these these things are funny now. Uh, but but one one Halloween he came home and and passed out out in the in, in the in the yard. We lived down a dirt road. We were the only house down that dirt road at that time. And people would come down there, you know, just to go to our house trick or treat because we lived out in a rural community. And so my mom knew that we would have some trick or treaters, and she didn't know what to do with my dad. And my mom wasn't all that big, but she finally managed over to pull up, pull him over close enough to a tree where she leaned him up on the tree, crossed his legs, uh, crossed his arm, put an old hat on him and put a bowl of candy in his lap. And uh, <laughs> isn't that neat? Wow. How funny. Oh, my mom was a real saint. Uh, I was sitting there. So, so my dad never really just told me, do this, don't do this. He, 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 he very philosophical. And I get my, you know, points of life and philosophy from, from him. And uh, uh, he, uh, he told me sitting on that porch that last evening I was with him. He said, son, you are a pastor and you are a teacher of the word of God. He said, don't ever stop. Don't let anything pull you away from what God has called you to do. He said, I've, I've listened to a lot of preachers these last few years. And I've, I've you know, been a lot of places. But I'm telling you, you have a gift to teach the word of God, son. God has called you to do that. Don't ever stop. I just simply said yes, sir, because it was odd. That it was odd for me to see my dad point his finger at me, telling me what to do. That just wasn't him, you know. He was more supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And so I went back home, and then uh, I preached his funeral that next week. You know, all of a sudden, just died. Parting words, last words. I cannot tell you. How many times those last words have spoken to me? I cannot tell you how many times those powerful words have come back to me in critical moments of my life, and I've thanked God for last words. Like those last words of Jesus. How many times do we go to Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? 
Parting words are powerful words. Well, here the Apostle John, late in his life, after all these years and after seeing everything you know, on earth, I mean, he had gone through the persecution of the church. The, he, had, he, had, he had gone through such loss and such hurt and such heartache and such woe and uh, you know I mean he had been exiled himself to the to, to, to an island and you know he had, he, had, he had gone through so many things he sits down realizing that that these are going to be parting words from him and I don't know if he saw through the ages and saw us one day reading these words but these are the words that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, words anointed by Almighty God, words of God, powerful words, words with power, God's word that came through him to us as some of his parting words before he turned over the mantle, the responsibility of the kingdom of God to others like us who we did not get to walk with Jesus. We did not get to see the miracles and witness the things. We did not get to hear the words from his mouth like John did. You know, we're getting this, you know, firsthand uh, from John. In the 14th chapter, Jesus, uh, was, knowing that his time was short, he was trying to prepare his disciples for his departure. And so John, during this last week during these last few days of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, John records what Jesus said in his parting words, and these are John's parting words to us. Simply put from the New King James Version, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Now, that word heart is a Greek word cardia, okay? It's where we get like cardiac, you know. Um, and, and literally it means here your innermost being, that, 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 that center, that, 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 that life, the very, your, your, your heart, the very innermost feelings, the unction on the inside of you that maybe no one else knows but you, that no one else can touch but you and God. Some, you know, that, that which is on the inside, let, let not your very core, let not the core existence of your life be troubled, be distressed, be perplexed, be confused. Don't, don't let the, the troubles come and sink so deep into your life that your core existence is troubled, that you're perplexed, that you're, that you're depressed, worried, anxious, fearful, that, you know, let not your heart be troubled. And then he said, he continued, you know, you, you believe in God. You know, this concept of believing is, 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 means to entrust Literally to entrust. That's a, that's a good word. It's, it's not necessarily to trust, although some may read that way. You know, uh, you trust God, trust me also. But it's more of an entrusting. You entrust, do you, do you, do you trust God with your life? Do you entrust? Do you believe? Do you believe God? Do you, you know, put your trust in? Have you entrusted your life to God? Jesus here is encouraging his disciples, then, then also entrust your lives to me. You know, sometimes God can seem so far away. Sometimes God, and it was this way with the disciples, no doubt, that, that, they, that they knew God and knew about God, 
And, but, but yet God, you know, God is like this, you know, can be this far away being, can be this far away creator that we understand he is a creator and we, we understand that, that yes, he is our father. We understand, yes, he loves us and we understand a lot about God, but yet God, it, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, and even though we can't touch him and even though we, he, even though sometimes he seems so far away, that doesn't make any sense to, to you guys. And that's what Jesus was trying to get, uh, across them. You know, you have, even though God seems so far away, you have entrusted your life to God. And so have we, you know, I mean, um, I believe in God. And even though sometimes God seems like he's so big, he seems like he, how could he be troubled with me? How could he be bothered with me? Uh, Jesus here was bringing it down to a more personal level. You know, you believe God, you trust God, you entrust your lives to God. Are you entrusting your eternity? Are you entrusting, you know, uh, 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 your, your, your existence to God? Then Jesus said, bring it down to a more personal note here and entrust your lives to me as well. Give me a chance. Do you know how many people will listen to you when you want to talk about God? Because God's so far away that he is, you know, it doesn't make him insecure. It doesn't, it doesn't tax them to talk about God. It doesn't tax them for them to believe in God. You believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God, you know. Uh, you know but the moment you mention Jesus, all of a sudden there comes uh, this, this, this different um, attitude, this different concern, this different, you know, all of a sudden it becomes personal. This Jesus is, 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 is personal. You know, this is what he is attempting to get them to do is to realize that I am with you. I'm not so far, you know, you believe, you, you've entrusted your life to God. Yeah, that's, that can be less than personal. But make it personal here. Entrust your lives to Jesus. Because you see, he is about to go away. He's trying to prepare them for his crucifixion, death, burial, ultimately resurrection, but also an ascension. He's going away. And he knows this is going to make them very sad. He knows it's going to make them insecure. So he's trying to get them to make a personal decision to entrust their lives to him. Because he knows some things are about to happen. In less than a week, some things are about to happen to him that's going to shake their faith. It's going to shake their belief. And he does not want it to reach the core of their existence. He does not want them to be troubled in their hearts. They have trusted God. And he's not... He's not Jesus here, uh, if I may speak for him, if I may offer a consideration, it seems to me that he is not worried about them and their faith being shaken in God, but rather their faith being shaken in him. Because he's going to die, something they never expected. You know, he's going to be, you know, beaten and crucified, something that, that, that absolutely is not on their agenda. They don't understand it. He's tried to tell them time and again, but they have not embraced a reality here that, that, that this, this son of God that can walk on water, that can multiply fish and loaves, that can heal the sick, that can raise the dead, that can cast out devils, that something's going to happen to him that is going to be, you know, uh, uh, you know going to bring about his death. And he's going to be gone. He's been a personal 
witness to them. He's been a personal friend to them. He's been a personal comfort to them. He's been a personal teacher to them. He's been a personal guide to them. He's, he's, he's been a personal God to them. It's so easy. I mean, who doesn't believe in God? The Bible says in the book of Romans that you're, you're really trying to fool yourself. <laughs> you're suppressing the truth if you, don't, if you say you don't believe in God. The very things of nature say there's a God. You really have to suppress the truth in order to say you don't believe in God. But there is another step, and it is entrusting your life to Jesus Christ. You believe in God, you do well. You know, Jesus, however, here is trying to get them to make a personal commitment to realize that they can also trust him. Not just trust him when he's standing in front of them and everything's going okay. Not just trust him whenever he is the talk of the town because he is. You know, in Jerusalem, I mean, everybody loved it. They, they, they believed he was Messiah. Uh, people would come up and be healed and, and they would hear great teachings and everything was going great. I mean, he, was, he led multitudes. Multitudes were following him. And here's what the disciples imagined. It was just gonna get better from here. You know, he was gonna be crowned king instead of his kingdom. That's what they were you know, expecting. That's what everyone was expecting, a Messiah, that he would set up a physical kingdom on the earth. And then, man, all of a sudden, you know, uh, the, 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 the Israelites, the Jews would be freed from all their enemies and all their problems be gone. And I mean, they were reading the eternal message into their temporary situation. But let me be the first to tell you that their temporary earthly situation was not an eternal message. The eternal message of what Christ is going to do in our lives, in our future, is different than what we may be facing now. You believe in God? Good, great, wonderful. But don't let your heart be troubled at the things which happen around you, happen to you, affect you, the things you go through. Don't let it shake your core. Even things that you could never imagine happening. Don't let them shake you. Entrust your life to Jesus. He went on to say, in my father's house, in my pater's house, you know, in, in, uh, in my father's house, his, his dwelling, there are many mansions. They're, it, they're, they're plentiful, abundant, numerous uh, you know, there are many mansions, many abodes, many places, if you will. Let's, let's just use that word for just a moment, okay? Places, abodes, uh, rooms, spaces. That's a good one, spaces. There are many spaces. That's, that's, that's a real good rendering of this particular uh, 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 passage. In my father's house, there are many spaces, um, abundant, plentiful, large, many. That's what the word many means, okay? He says, uh, uh, um, now, if this was not the truth, I would tell you so, okay? He said, and I go to prepare. This concept of Preparing is to work, is to make, is to, uh, 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 you know, to literally to, to work at, to work on, to, to, to make, to fashion, to, uh, um, uh, um, well, let me take one more step here and then I'll come back to this prepare. 
You know, I go to prepare a place. That word place. Understanding by studying this word. You know, that, that, that uh, one of the best words, one of the best concepts you can get for that word place is scabbard. Isn't that interesting? I go to prepare a place, a scabbard for you. Interesting. You know, not too long ago for my birthday or for some, you know, Christmas or something, uh, Jeff here, Jeff Phillips, made, made me a, um, a, a, a knife holder. And do you know what? It perfectly fits the knife that he made it for. He bought a knife. He works in leather. And he made this wonderful little basket weave, little, uh, and, and, it, and it fits around it. And I, I love it. It's on, my, it's on my list. I started to bring it tonight, but I didn't necessarily want to get you know, knives out here. I, I think I've done that enough on, online. Uh, but but I, I love it. It fits right in there and comes right out. I mean, it's just made for it. I mean, it's just, it's a perfect, it's, it's, it has limited space. It has limited capacity. That's what that word means. It means a limited place, a limited. I, I, I go to prepare a limited place. I go to prepare a place. I go to prepare a limited. It, it, it has capacity. It has limited capacity. It is made. Uh, uh, you ought to see it. It perfectly fits. This is what that means. I'm going to prepare a place that is perfect that you, that you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, in my father's house, there are many spaces, but I am going to fashion, I am, I'm going somewhere with purpose to fashion a place, a scabbard that Fits you perfectly. It has limited capacity. It is for you. A place for you. A place that you perfectly fit in. I was hoping to get through verse 12 tonight at least. 13, 14 was my hope. We got into two here. Let's do a takeaway real quick, okay? My, my takeaways from where we've gotten so far is the Number one, the importance of last words, and these being some of the last words of Jesus, some of the last words to his disciples, and John is recording this, some of the last words of John, and here Jesus is telling us that we need to take more than just this ethereal thought of a God that we believe in that we know because we can't, we have no choice. We have to entrust our eternities to a God that, that we may or may not understand. But the step he wants us to take is also to trust him with our, put our trust in him regardless of what we may be headed towards. Put your trust in him. Don't be shaken in heart and mind. Just decide. This was a decision he was asking them to make. And he was hoping that they would make this decision. Uh, you know, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Make this decision that you're going to not be troubled in heart. I'm going to entrust my situation, my life, my family, 
I'm going to trust and I'm going to put them into the hands of Jesus Christ. Okay? More than just, well, you know, God will take care of it. No, this is a personal relationship that I have with Jesus, my friend. I am going to put, I'm going to entrust. I'm not going to let these things trouble my heart. I'm going to entrust them to you. Because I know that you are preparing a perfect place just for me. That fits me perfectly. I, I know that's what you're busy about right now. Right now, I know that you, Jesus, you love me in my now. But you are perfecting an eternity for me that is far beyond my comprehension. Later, he, we would find out that it was beyond the comprehension of even his closest disciples. They didn't even understand what he was saying. We have the benefit of looking back on it. They didn't have a Bible like this, okay? They didn't have the New Testament yet. They imagined something different. Whatever we're imagining, let me tell you, put your trust in him. Entrust your life to him. Okay? You'll be glad you did. Don't be shaken in your heart, in your mind, troubled, perplexed, confused about the things which, like the Apostle Paul says, about the things which will come upon this world. Okay? They're not going to shake our faith in Jesus Christ and what he's doing for our eternity right now. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.